Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The word of God for our meditation this morning is today's Gospel, Luke chapter 21. We hear again these words of our Savior. When these things begin to take place, stand up and lift up your heads, because your redemption is drawing near. This is the word of our God. In the name of our Lord Jesus, whose words will never pass away. My dear brothers and sisters, proper posture is important. Not sure why, but recently I've run into two different advertisements for two different posture products, products that are designed to help you have better posture. One of them is, I guess I would call it a a posture alarm, a little electronic device that you can attach to your collar. And basically what it does is it senses when you are slouching. So for example, if you're sitting at a computer and you begin to slouch, it will buzz, it will beep and remind you, you need to straighten up. I could probably use one of those, actually. The other one, I guess I would call it a a posture harness. It's basically this thing that you strap yourself into. You put it over your shoulders, and you strap it in, and you cinch it and tighten it up, and it kind of physically forces you into better posture. Now, why would something like this perhaps be important? Well, poor posture can lead to all kinds of difficulties. Soreness and pain, poor circulation, poor digestion, carpal tunnel syndrome, back problems, and a host of other issues. Doctors will tell you proper posture is important. In the portion of his holy word before us today, our Lord Jesus talks to us about posture. But he's not talking about physical posture. He's really talking about spiritual posture, the posture of faith. He says to us, weary and burdened and bent over believers, suffering and struggling in this sin-filled world, lift up your heads. In faith, that's what we do. We lift up our heads to watch for our Lord's coming. And we do so, my friends, with the certainty that he is coming soon. We do so with hope and joy in our hearts. And we do so with a spirit of watchfulness and prayer. The the events of our text took place on the Tuesday of Holy Week. Jesus had been spending a lot of time around the temple. And a couple of days before this, his disciples had been marveling at the temple. It's beautiful and grand building. And Jesus told them that that temple was going to be destroyed. That happened in the year 70 A.D. when Roman general Titus led his troops into the holy city. And that destruction of Jerusalem and of the temple was just foreshadowing something much bigger that was going to happen. The destruction that Jesus hints at in our text, the one that's coming at the end of time, the destruction of Judgment Day. Now there are, of course, many signs that lead up to the last day of the world. Uh, We know of them, false messiahs and false teachers, wars and rumors of wars, natural disasters like earthquakes and famines, wickedness and hatred. All these things are happening now and Jesus just adds to the list in our text. He talks about signs in the sun, moon and stars, confusion and terror and apprehension among the world's people, the shaking of the heavenly bodies. And at the end of all these signs, finally, The Son of Man himself will come in a cloud with power and great glory. No longer the humble babe of Bethlehem, but the King of kings and Lord of lords to whom every knee will bow. 
a question for you today. Do we take all of this seriously? When was the last time you woke up in the morning and the first thought that you had was, you know what, Jesus could come again today. When you signed your 30-year mortgage, did you have the happy thought, well, perhaps I won't even have to pay for this for 30 years because Jesus could return before those three decades are up. When you have been planning for your future, perhaps planning for your education and future employment, maybe planning a family vacation, maybe toward the end of your working life you're planning for your retirement, whatever you're planning for, did you do so with the idea in your mind that you may not get to do all of those things because Jesus may come before you put that mortar board on your head or punch out for the last time? In his second epistle, St. Peter talks about scoffers, the kind of people who say things like this. Where is this coming, he promised. Ever since our ancestors died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. Now, when you and I think of the last day, we probably don't laugh or scoff or make fun. No, my friends, our sin is a little more subtle. Our sin is that often we just don't really think about it at all. There are times when we just have little anticipation or urgency in our hearts as it regards the last day. We just figure that, that life is going to go on as it always has, and so we tend to keep our heads bowed down, looking toward the earth, focusing on the things of this life. Shame on us for that kind of sinful spiritual apathy. Let me assure you that Jesus is coming. He himself promises, as we heard this morning, I am coming soon. The signs of this are all around us already. And so Jesus tells us to lift up our heads. Think of the five-year-old who's standing at the front window watching carefully for his dad to return from work so he can play with him. Or think of the high school senior who also is looking out that front window, this time though waiting for the mailman, hoping that he's going to bring that, that college acceptance letter. That's the kind of posture we need to have for, for watching for our Lord's return. Heads held high, eyes wide open, and joy and hope just thrumming in our hearts. Joy and hope, really? I just talked about our sinful apathy. I mean, we are all guilty of at times being obsessed with this life and thinking precious little about our eternal future. So won't Jesus come to destroy us? Won't he come to expose our apathy, our shame to the world? Won't he come to make us pay finally for our sins? No. Listen to what he says. When these things begin to take place, stand up and lift up your heads because your redemption is drawing near. Note it well, not destruction, not damnation, redemption. Redemption is a beautiful word and a beautiful concept for us sinners to hear. And let's be clear about it. Our Lord Jesus has already accomplished our redemption. He paid the ransom price already to set us free from slavery to sin and death and the devil's power. Again, we turn to the words of St. Peter, who wrote, You know that it was not with perishable things, such as silver or gold, that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. 
God's own Son, God himself, was conceived and born in our human flesh. And he lived perfectly under the law in our place, obeying it at every point in thought, word, and deed. And then he walked the road to the cross where he offered that perfect life as the payment for the sins of the world. My friends, all the gold and silver in the universe cannot equal even one drop of our Savior's blood. And when he shed that blood, he dissolved those iron chains that held us. He freed us from our slavery. We are free, free from the devil's power, free from the slavery of our sins, free from the punishment that we deserve because of our sins. And finally, free to serve and love our God and our neighbor. My friends, the the crushing weight of our guilt is gone. It's no longer pressing us down, giving us the posture of the damned. No, my friends, we are not the damned. We are the redeemed with heads held high, watching carefully and with great joy and hope for our Lord's return. So if Jesus has already redeemed us, then why does he say, lift up your heads, your redemption is drawing near? Well, I guess redemption in this case is kind of a shorthand for the final results, the ultimate results of Jesus' redeeming work. He's coming again, you see, to right every wrong, to destroy every evil, to end our struggle forever, to rescue us from this ugly, sin-filled world, and to finally bring us into the paradise that he has purchased for us with his precious blood. You know, I, I suppose waiting for eternal glory is kind of like waiting for those Amazon packages to arrive. And I always think about this at this time of year. I think many of us can relate to that idea as we order Christmas presents from Amazon. You know, if you think about it, when you work with Amazon, you you place the order, the order has been placed, your credit card has been charged, and the item has shipped. Your text messages tell you all these things, right? The item has shipped, you've paid for it, which means legally it is yours. It belongs to you. But you don't really begin to fully enjoy it or to be able to give it to someone as a gift until that package with the smile painted on the side actually shows up on your doorstep. In the same way, my friends, your place in heaven has been reserved. It's already been purchased by the blood of Jesus. You have eternal life right now. You possess it. It is yours. But you don't begin to enjoy that eternal life fully until one, Jesus calls you home to heaven by death, or Jesus, too, returns again at the end of time. It is then that you will enjoy the fullness of heavenly glory. We're not there yet, and until we are, we remain members of the church militant, which means that we still have battles daily to wage. We still have temptations to resist. We still have crosses to bear in the name of our Savior. And not only that, We have all kinds of other rather mundane things to do, right? We have paychecks to earn and families to take care of and all kinds of daily tasks to attend to. We are busy. And all that busyness can distract us from what's really important in life. And so Jesus gives us these words of instruction. He says, be careful or your hearts will be weighed down with carousing, drunkenness, and the anxieties of life. And that day will close on you suddenly like a trap. For it will come on all those who live on the face of the whole earth. 
Be always on the watch and pray that you may be able to escape all that is about to happen and that you may be able to stand before the Son of Man. Some have called the time from our Savior's first coming until his second coming the great between time. Jesus here gives us some instruction, some advice, commands really, that will help to guide us and prepare us as we live in those between days, the days in which we are all living right now. First of all, he says, be careful. Be careful. Think of the dad teaching his daughter how to use the table saw. Now that saw is a dangerous tool that can take off your finger or more in a heartbeat. And so she needs to be very careful with that. She needs to be alert. My friends, we need to be alert and careful as well because this world is a dangerous place. Each of us, we we need to recognize the temptations to which we are personally prone and stay as far away from them as we possibly can. We all need to realize our own natural spiritual weakness and therefore our great need to be regularly fed and strengthened with the gospel in word and sacrament. Second, Jesus says, watch. When I was learning to drive, both of my parents talked... I'll say it incessantly, uh, about being a defensive driver. They said, you've got to keep your eyes open, your head on a swivel. You can't just pay attention to what you're doing in your car. You've got to watch out for the other guy because he is going to make a mistake and you need to be ready when it happens because it is going to happen. My friends, in a similar similar way, we need to be awake and watching for our Lord's return because it is guaranteed, it is going to happen. We can't let the passing of the normal days just lull us to sleep. We need to wake up every morning with this common attitude, Jesus could return today. Finally, Jesus says that during these between days, we need to spend a lot of time in prayer. He says simply pray, which is such a simple command, but such a beautiful gift that he gives us, right? And yet, at the same time, sadly, also a tremendously underutilized resource. Just think about it for a second. We have a direct line to Almighty God himself. A divine ear that is eager to listen to us 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, and to give us the very best answers that are for our eternal good. My friends, we need to make regular use of this resource. We need to talk to him daily. And as we live in these between days, we need to ask him to strengthen our faith, to open our eyes, to give us that proper spiritual posture. What's the point of all this alertness and watching and care and praying? Jesus answers, that you may be able to escape all that is about to happen and that you may be able to stand before the Son of Man to survive the destruction of the last day, to be able to stand before our Lord in the judgment, 
We need to be spiritually alert. What we need is faith in Jesus Christ. Well, my friends, by God's grace, by God's grace alone, we have what we need. We have faith in Jesus, and so we have the proper spiritual posture. No longer do we need to hang our heads and slouch in shame or turn away from our Savior in fear. No, my friends, we can lift up our heads with joy and hope because our redemption is drawing near. The one whose words will never pass away promises us, yes, I am coming soon. And we respond with hearts of faith. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. And he will. Amen.